0: Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. You know, sometimes I hear people say, you know, it's the old hymns that have all the deep meaning, and we sang one of those this morning. not a campaign (laughs) but sometimes a new song captures deeply the intent of the biblical story and that song we just sang is a perfect song of lament it captures the biblical heart of lament and so we're going to talk this morning and if you came today because we're saying farewell to Rick and Bonnie we didn't forget they are currently over at Pasadena saying a lot of goodbyes, and we wanted them to linger there. We didn't want them to have to rush away. So they're going to be honored here at the close of this service. So uh, they'll be stumbling in here in a few minutes, and, uh, and then we'll honor them as we close the service and let them get outside so you can greet them. But I want to talk just for a minute about lament. In fact, we're talking, the title today is Overlooked Hope. So somehow we're going to get from lament to hope because these two things are intimately connected. And I don't know how you grew up uh, in your theology, but this is how I grew up. You either were in a space in which you were saying, praise God, thank God, everything's wonderful. God, thank you. I just see it. And even if you didn't mean it, amen. I mean, we did used to sing songs like this, if he keeps on blessing and blessing, if he keeps on pouring and on. Is his love just keeps getting richer if he keeps on giving a song. If my cup gets fuller and fuller and my prayers keep on getting through, if it keeps getting better and better, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. How many of you sang that song once or twice? All right, let's try again because this, we're going to be honest. How many of you sang that song in church if it keeps getting better and better? Nobody else here, just two people in the front row. Well, then we're done. I guess we're... But it seemed like that was the choice. And you knew that people sitting out there singing that song, if it keeps getting better and better, under their breath were going, it ain't all that good. But it seemed like that was what we were supposed to do in church. We were supposed to express it. that, How you doing? God's just blessing me up and down, backwards and forward. Just blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. I'm just blessed. I'm so blessed. And then we had, (laughs) for those that didn't hear, she said, oh, get over it. And then over here, we have this other frame of thinking about our spiritual journey, and that is why, and what are you doing, and God, I don't know that I trust you, and I'm devastated, and I'm at the bottom, and because of this reality, many people have walked away from their faith, because they can't reconcile this expression. Don't you think sometimes church seems like an infomercial? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Like, we're talking about stuff, and everybody's going, And there are people out there with broken hearts going, I don't get it. And biblically speaking, these are perspectives that are represented biblically. The devastating lack of faith and and this over exuberant, everything's wonderful. But there is a place in the middle called lament. A place in which we're not over there where everything is okay, but we haven't given up. We're not accusing God. But we're deeply in search of God. And we don't understand what he's doing. We don't get it. And the church needs much more space for lament. In fact, the Bible is full of lament. We, we have writers that that's all they do is lament. Two-thirds of the Psalms are lament. <laughs> and, and lament sounds like this. What are you doing? What, where are you? Why am I crying out but you're silent? What? What is really going on? Two-thirds of the Psalms are lament. Jeremiah has so much lament, he has to add a book called Lamentations. <laughs> and yet we've sort of excised this from our theology. And so this is so very, very important. When I when I talk to pastors about developing content, I came across years ago a, a, a quote from Frederick Beekner. I read it to them because I think it's so important, but I think it applies to you and I just as much. Uh, So you can contextualize it for yourself, but listen to these words. Switching on the lectern light and clearing their throat, the preacher speaks both the word of tragedy and the word of comedy because they are both of them the truth. And because Jesus speaks them both, blessed be he. The preacher tells the truth by speaking of the visible absence of God. Because if he or she doesn't see and own up to the absence of God in the world, then they're the only ones there who don't see it. And who then is going to take them seriously when they try to make real what they claim also to see as the invisible presence of God in the world? Sin and grace, absence and presence, tragedy and comedy, they divide the world between them, and where they meet head on, the gospel happens. Let the preacher preach the gospel of their preposterous meaning as the high, unbidden, hilarious thing that it is. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing right now. I will send Frederick. to a mic drop. I will send Frederick Buechner an email and explain to him how you respond. He's 94 now and uh, still around. Because you and I do understand the visible absence of God in the world. We do. Now, maybe we don't think we're supposed to talk about it. Maybe we don't think we're supposed to speak of it. But let me just assure you that the biblical writers speak of it extensively. Extensively. It is a major portion of Scripture, this act of lamentations. And so, not only is it a major portion, but it is also the reason Habakkuk writes. Habakkuk writes to no one in particular. He's not addressing it to a certain king. He's not prophetically. He is simply writing down his lament. And his lament has a very specific trajectory, and in a very concise way, it follows the biblical trajectory of lament, and a bunch of things are happening. So let's get him in his space. Maybe first to say, what is lament? Lament is sorrow. Lament is speaking the heart. It is crying out. Uh, there are several Hebrew words that refer to lament. You can think of lament as the actual you know, act of crying out. You can act, actually think of it as the sound of the wail of our soul when we're hurting. That's lament. But you can also think of it theologically. It is a moment when we come before God and we actually speak to Him and we talk to Him about where are you and what are you doing. I don't get it. And what's fascinating when you read commentators uh, who who write about lament, some of them write very extensively. In fact, I don't know if you are up on this, but but given where we are in our culture and our world, lament has become a very popular topic of conversation among theologians uh, because we're learning to lament again in ways that are biblically accurate and it really matters. But a lot of commentators struggle. It's okay for you to lament the loss of life or it's okay for you to lament some tragedy in your story, but to lament what God is doing in the world, some of them are still hesitant to talk about it. Like somehow that's blasphemous or somehow that's not okay and yet the biblical writers pour it out. David is as raw of a writer in the form of lament as there is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he laments constantly. And Habakkuk was a classic prophet of lament. Let's put him in his context. He writes at the time when the southern kingdom is about to fall. So he writes around 605 BC. The, the southern kingdom falls for the first time in 597. becomes a vassal, vassal country and then it pays tribute for a few years until it stops and then it's completely ransacked uh, about 20 years later. And so if you kind of get contextually what's going on, let me give you the history of it, because I know you're super excited about the history of it. The southern kingdom, northern kingdoms already fallen to Assyria. The southern kingdom keeps forming alliances, and there are three major players in the world at the time. The rising kingdom of Babylon, the falling kingdom of Assyria, and the falling kingdom of Egypt. And so the southern kingdom has formed alliances with Assyria, but Assyria gets kind of weak. So then they form alliances with Egypt. but Egypt gets... So they keep moving around about who they will ally themselves with so that they can fight off the rising kingdom of Babylon. And then for some inexplicable reason, Josiah decides, uh, as Egypt begins to march north to confront the armies of Babylon, Josiah decides that he will uh, array himself against the Egyptians. And so he goes to Megiddo and he uh, forms battle lines with the, uh, with the uh, army of Judah, and uh, he fights the Egyptians. And Josiah dies at Megiddo, fighting the Egyptians. Why he's fighting the Egyptians? We don't know. They were recently allies, but now he's fighting. He dies in that battle. The Egyptians leave Megiddo, and they make their way to the city of Haran. Now, Haran has been the most recent capital of Assyria. Nineveh has already fallen to Babylon The Assyrians move the capital to Haran. Now the remnants of the Assyrian army are in Haran. The Egyptians join them. And in 605 BC, the Battle of Carchemish takes place in the city of Haran. And the remnants of the Assyrian army and the remnants of the Egyptian army fight the armies of Babylon. And Babylon destroys the Assyrian and Egyptian armies. This is when Habakkuk begins his lament. Because now there is no one to stand in the way. And they know... The southern kingdom knows, given its lack of loyalty, given its effort over the last decades to find allies against the Babylonians, they know that the Babylonians are coming to destroy the southern kingdom. And he sees it, and he knows it's happening, and he begins to write his story of lament. Listen to how it opens, chapter 1, verse 2. How long, Lord, and see if any of these emotions grab you. Maybe you've spoken very similar words. How long, Lord, must I call for help? but you do not listen I cry out to you violence but you do not save why do you make me look at injustice and why do you tolerate wrongdoing destruction and violence are before me there is strife and conflict abounds therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails the wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted even the fact That Josiah has been killed at the hands of... Maybe you remember Josiah, the great king of the southern kingdom who brings all the reforms, who who is pleasing to God, who honors God, who reinstitutes all the things. He does all the things he's supposed to do. And yet he dies in battle at the hands of the Egyptians. So Habakkuk is asking hard questions. Maybe you've asked them too. How long will I cry out and you will not listen? How long can such terrible things be happening and you do nothing about it? How can the world be in this condition and you're not stepping in to intervene? When will you finally fix the stuff that desperately needs to be fixed? Anybody ever ask any questions like this? Yeah. And so God answers Habakkuk. And this is what he says. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm mustering up the great nation of Babylon. And they will come and exercise judgment on the southern kingdom. And Habakkuk says. What? That's not an answer. The Babylonians are worse than the, the Israelites. The Babylonians are way worse than the Israelites ever thought of being. You can't use the Babylonians. To bring righteousness to Israel. You can't do that. No. No. And the lament continues. And God speaks to Habakkuk and he says, listen, I want you to settle down. I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to think about deep time. And I want you to think about God's eternal ark. And I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I want you to settle in, and I want you to trust me that I have in mind the things that are most important. Habakkuk 2, 1. You can almost hear Habakkuk sigh. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablet so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove fault, though it linger wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. In other words, this is what he says. I know you don't get it. And I know you can't see it. Trust me anyway. There's somewhere between this place where we say, I see what God is doing and I get it. And I, I just, I'm so thankful and I'm so blessed. And I just, you know, I just, you know. If it keeps getting better and better, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this other place over here of, I'm not sure God gets to be God anymore. How many people have walked away from the faith because of this view? If this can be allowed, then God doesn't get to be God. The biblical writer said, I don't see it and I don't get it. But I trust you anyway. I trust you anyway. I lament. I genuinely live honestly in this space so that I can live in this understanding. And then as the conversation continues, and you can read it for yourself, it's not a long. It's one of the most concise laments we have that has this distinct beginning of crying out, this God speaking and intervention, not liking what he's saying, not liking what he's doing. But it's coming to this moment of actual resolution, and this is how Habakkuk concludes, and can, these can be your favorite verse from now on. These are worth having. Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. In other words, the lament of Habakkuk comes to this moment when he says, Listen, you and I have gotten honest with each other, and we've poured out the. There's been a cathartic emptying of all of my angst. That's a great sentence. And now that I've spilled my guts to you, and you have spoken to me, and you have told me what you were doing, and I don't like that any better than you doing nothing. Now that we've gotten through all of that, here's my decision. Though I don't get it, and though I don't see it, and though there's no evidence of it, though the fig tree doesn't produce fruit, though there's no grapes on the vine, there's no sheep in the pen, There's no physical evidence for it. I trust you anyway. I will praise. We just sang it. We just sang the words of genuine lament and resolution. And it matters. It matters. Lament is full of hope in the biblical story. Listen to this quote by N.T. Wright. I'm going to read it slow because it matters. It is no part of the Christian vocation then to be able to explain what is happening and why. Can I say that one more time? Because there are folks who believe it is the Christian vocation to explain what is happening and why. Even though the biblical writers did not feel qualified to do that, very often in lament did not feel qualified to do that. It is no part of the Christian vocation then to be able to explain what's happening and why in fact... It is part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and instead to lament. As the Spirit laments within us, so we become, even in our self-isolation, small shrines where the presence and the healing love of God can dwell. That is powerful stuff. Especially to folks who were raised on either you got to be all good with God or you got to be all bad with God. No, sometimes you got to be in lament where, where you can say openly. I, even Jesus lamented, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be I don't. I don't like the way it's unfolding. I don't want it to be this way. I don't like it to go this way. But I can sit in this space and trust you for what I can't see and what I can't know. But I don't have to be over here. I don't have to be all jolly and good. I don't have to be artificial or fake. I can sit and lament. And I don't have to get over here and give up on God and accuse Him and lose my reverence for Him. I can live right here in this space of lament. As so many biblical writers do. Glenn Paycom, Dr. Glenn Paycom uh, is a one of the theologians today who's doing immense work with lament. And uh, I'm going to offer you five things that he uh, identifies in lament that I think matter. And I thought I'd refer to a theological expert so that if you're mad about this later, I'll just be like, it's not my stuff. I... <laughs> Number one, according to scriptural lament, lament is a form of praise. Lament is a form of praise. Two-thirds of the Psalms are lament, and yet we call the book, the book of Psalms, the book of praise. The biblical understanding of lament, it is a form of praise. Where are you going with your problem? To God. I'm going to God. Why are you going to God? Because I reverence Him. Well, who else would I complain to? The 1-800 number doesn't pick up. I complain to God. God. In his work Peckham does this beautifully. He talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness. They've been delivered from 400 years of slavery and they get out in the wilderness and they immediately put God on trial. Their attitude, their spirit, they have no thanksgiving. They villainize Moses, the leader that has delivered them. He says this is this is not this is what it means to live over in this space where we accuse God, where we put God on trial. Where we look at it and we go, I don't, God, you're, you're just not. I don't think you have anything going on. I don't know that you are who you say you are. I don't know that you get to be God anymore. An accusation against God. And he said, now contrast that with worshiping Israel. Wilderness Israel versus worshiping Israel. Where they say, God, this is not who you are. We know you to be a loving father. And we cry out to you to mend what is broken. See the difference? It's it's such a vast difference between accusing God and lamenting before God. So that when you stop and you think about it, we could say that a complaint is an accusation against God that maligns His character, but a lament is an appeal to God based on confidence in His character. A complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character. But a lament is an appeal to God based on confidence in his character. Number two, lament is proof of relationship. I don't know how you feel about who you are able to be your absolute self with. But you are only able to be your absolute self with people with whom you show deep relationship. Amen. Amen. And you pick and choose very carefully, don't you? How you doing? I'm good. That's the answer we give to 90% of the people in our life. Because that's all they need to know. Amen? Because you, you have people like this. How you doing? Well. How much time you got? I was just sort of superficially asking. I didn't want to get into the depth. I don't know you like that. But with people with whom we feel safe, we can go deep. And we can empty out what's in here. And so that when we are able to do that with God, it demonstrates real relationship and real connection. I'm safe to say what's really going on inside my heart and soul because God loves me like that. Because that's what a loving father would do. The loving Father would sit me down and say, tell me what's going on in your head. No, what else? Nah, that's not it. What else is it? No, no, no. You're hiding a little. Let it out. It's okay. And there is a cathartic healing when we are able to confide in the Father the depth of our angst, the depth of our doubt, the depth of our fear, the depth of our uncertainty. Number three, lament is a pathway To intimacy with God. Most of us choose self-sufficiency over interdependence. How you doing? Good. I'm going to say my prayer now. God, I'm good. A little help would be good, but I'm handling it fine. If I get in trouble, I'll let you know. Amen? But intimacy with God is I'm not okay and I'm not self-sufficient. And here are the areas that I struggle It is intimacy with God. It is opening up our heart. And lament is genuinely connecting us in deep, deep relationship. Number four, lament is a prayer for God to act. It is a prayer for God to act. We can never forget this part. That we're not just complaining for the sake of complaining. We are actually pouring out our hearts and praying that God would do something. Change something. Everybody feel good about how the world's going right now? Yeah! It is fascinating, isn't it? Because I do think that people right now think, oh, man, because people say this to me. It's as bad as it's ever been, isn't it? No, it isn't. I mean, I I don't know what it would have been like to live in Israel, but it would seem when the Babylonians are kind of, you know, coming down with their mighty army and you know that, they're about to sack the kingdom. That'd be a bad day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You wake up in the morning, you know, you look out your window and there's an army with sharp objects and stuff. That'd be a bad day. I mean, that would be a whole different kind of angst, wouldn't it? I mean, we're philosophically upset. That's very different. That's very different when there are sharp objects adjacent to your body. Amen. And all that that entails. It's not just that they're going to sack the kingdom. It's that they don't stand for anything good. They don't worship the God you worship. They worship a whole different set of gods. They do all kinds of things you don't believe in. And they're going to run the show. They're, they're, they're going to take over. That's angsty. Amen. How many people live their entire lifetimes in the biblical story? In days when things are not going well. <laughs> and we just, we just skim over it. Well, children of Israel, they were delivered from Exodus. Isn't that a warm story? Way to go, God. I mean, 400 years of slavery. A whole bunch of people lived and died and never knew anything else. In Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the writer gets into it. They lived and died without ever seeing the fulfillment of the promise, they just trusted it. They never saw it. didn't happen to them in their lifetime. But we all are like, oh. It's a form of prayer. God, please, be who you are. One of the reasons we're praying, one of the reasons we're upset is because we know you don't like the way this is any more than we. We don't like it because you don't like it. If we feel it, you feel it. Number five. Lament is participation in the pain of others. When we genuine lament, we are admitting that the world hurts and that the answers are not all so simple. I love the simple theology of the church folks. When people go through tragedy, I think we're better about this. we become more aware in our own culture. But when people go through deep tragedy, we say to them, well, you know, in all things, God works for the good. If I had a hammer. I'd hammer out a warning. <laughs> Older people help the younger people. i bonk you on your head. Because you can't, you can't put that band-aid theology over the gaping wound in my soul. You can't put that band-aid over what is happening to me. You can't do it. You just can't do it. You got to sit in space with me and together we've got to say let's lament because in lamenting we identify with the pain don't you think Jesus on the cross when he quotes Psalms 22 a lament my God my God why have you forsaken me don't you think that that moment is a moment of his identity with the pain and the feeling of every person who is standing watching what is happening Feeling the weight on them. We thought he was going to deliver us from the Romans. And in this lament is an identifying kind of pain with the suffering that is going on around him. And when we genuinely lament, we are admitting that there are things in the world that we do not get and we cannot see. But we trust anyway. We trust anyway. N.T. Wright offers this little piece. Oh, that's not true. This is Dr. Packham. Listen to it. Lament is not our final prayer. It is a prayer in the meantime. I love that sentence. Lament is not our final prayer. It is a prayer in the meantime. Most of the lament psalms end with a vow to praise. A promise to return thanksgiving to God for His deliverance. Because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, we know that sorrow is not how the story ends. The song may be in a minor motif now, but one day it will resolve in a major chord. When every tear is wiped away, when death is swallowed up in victory, when heaven and earth are made new and joined as one, when the saints rise in glorious bodies, and then we'll sing at last a great hallelujah. We do not live in lament. It is a season in which we pass through. And here's the thing, for some people in the biblical story, it's the only season they know. (laughs) But there's still another season coming, even for those of us that live in lament. And we get to genuinely live here. We get to genuinely not always have to be happy, not always have to be resolved, not always have to pretend that everything's okay, and we don't have to get bitter And we don't have to be irreverent. And we don't have to blaspheme the power of God. And we don't have to put God on trial. We can live right here in the biblical middle of genuine lament. Where are you? And what are you doing? And though I don't see it, I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you. In a few minutes, we're going to close. And we're going to sing that response, that biblical response to lament that we started into the sermon. But before we do that. I'm going to invite Rick and Bonnie to come up. Come, honor them. Yeah. We'll come all the way up. All right, you can sit down. They're going to talk for a minute. I, I do think, just so you kind of take a minute, we do love you. I mean, we, we all love you very much. And Bonnie thought it'd be fun to break her toe in celebration of packing and moving, and so, so uh, we had an agreement over there that she didn't have to come on the platform, but over here, that, all agreements are off now. Yeah. I did want to give you a chance to just share whatever's on your heart. Well, there's not enough
1: time. I remember several years ago when I was pastoring the Pasadena campus, and we knew we were not making it, We had an aging congregation and we just could not find a way to turn it around. And so we thought it's time to close this church and for me to retire and fade away. And uh, so we made that arrangement. The next thing I knew, I hear this conversation about Pastor Dave Roberts and our district superintendent talking about Maybe Montrose could come in and assimilate that church into this church and keep it going. I thought, oh, wow, wouldn't that be great? Because we we just didn't, we weren't making it. And that happened. And then Pastor Dave came to me and said, would you consider coming on staff? (laughs) And this is a true story. I said, well, let me pray about it. Okay, that sounds really good. (laughs) And that's how we got here. And and I don't even know how to begin to thank you for your hospitality and your receiving Bonnie and me into your lives. You, You have absolutely no idea how much that means to us. And I know that thank you isn't enough, but it's all I God. Thank you.
2: Sometimes when God works in our lives, whoa, sorry, when He works in our lives, things happen that you don't expect, and this happened uh, about a month ago. I walked out onto the porch to go put the new registration sticker on the back of my car, was distracted by peeling it off, and stepped out into the air, (laughs) Uh, fell down three steps, landed on one, badly sprained my ankle, and not a toe, but metatarsal bone. Um, So here I am. But you know what? Over the last month, God has done some marvelous things to slow me down, and this is one of because if I have a plan to get something done, it's let's do it. Get the ducks in order, that's me. Uh, Maybe it's the the teacher in me, I don't know. Maybe it's being married to a pastor, I don't know. Maybe it's just being stubborn that I choose now to think that it's steadfastness instead of being stubborn, but I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, um, God has used this to slow me down and keep me focused on him. Um, And I say all that, which has nothing to do with today, but it has everything to do with who we are. And it is to watch God and listen to God no matter what the circumstance is. And I heard all of Dave's message over at the Brzee campus and it was wonderful, wasn't it? It was just wonderful. And uh, it spoke to my heart, so thank you for that too. Always, always. But my prayer for you, um, and I said this over at Brzee, is really simple. may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you individually and give you his peace in your heart. And as Rick said, we love you. We've appreciated all that you've done for us. And I just say as his wife, thank you for taking such good care of him and enjoying him. That means
0: a lot. Thank you. We were trying to figure out exactly the perfect gift and uh, you know for some people they require very spiritual gifts. For others well they do, they require something different so you guys can take that and you are welcome to open it but be careful we're going to have to reopen it next service so Yeah, so the uh, the Gremlins got out and, uh, you know, they uh, told us these were uh, two of your choice players. And my expectation now is every Dodger game, the two of you are going to be sitting there in your jerseys cheering it all on, right?
1: However, we may not be wearing this in Arizona. They don't yeah. like California <laughs> Very nice. So we're going anyway. Oh, uh, thank right. you. Oh, man, we're going to argue about who gets rich. <laughs>
0: I don't matter. We'll we'll let someone qualified put that back together.
1: <laughs> wow, that's awesome! I get the curse All,
0: all right. <laughs> if you guys are gonna fight, we're just gonna end this. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you guys are going to step up here just a little bit, we're just going to say a prayer over them. And what I'd love to do is have you all come forward, and you know, but we can't, so you can reach out. And then they're going to move right outside as we do our closing and benediction. And uh, would you help me pray over them? God, thank you for Rick and for Vonnie. Thank you for their precious lives. Thank you for all of these years of service. And we know... That even though they're retiring from Montrose Church, that they're always going to be a part of us. We claim them forever. They're a part of our story and legacy. I have a million Rick stories. I can't tell them all publicly, but I have a million. We're so thankful for the fun, the joy, the celebration, but all the hours of ministry and care and prayer and support and teaching and all of the things, not just in these last 13 years here, but over all of these years. And I fully expect within a week or two or five, there's going to be another assignment and there's going to be more opportunity because people like this never stop serving and they never stop ministering. And so we're praying your blessing over the next phase and chapter of their life give them great health to enjoy those grandchildren and bless them together bless the ministry bless this new journey I pray Lord that you would just watch over and protect and may day after day and week after week someone step forward to remind them that all of these years all of these years have mattered every day all of the times of lament maybe don't get to see all of the result. But thank you for faithful people like this who have served so, so well for so long. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Please now bless them. We place them in your hands, and we give you thanks and praise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said together, amen. 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 So they're going to move outside, and you can greet them. Will you stand? And as we sing these words, they are powerful, biblical words of genuine scriptural lament. Even when I can't figure it all out, I'm going to trust you. Let's raise it up together. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.